On today's episode of Share the Struggle Podcast, I take a moment to pay tribute to a legend. And we take a moment to update all of you on Ali's continued efforts to mend a broken relationship with a very important member of her family. We heard from many of you following last week's episode, so we want to provide you that update because over the weekend, Ali took a major step in repairing, rebuilding, and reestablishing a relationship that she has missed for so long. All of that is coming to you on episode 78 of the Loud Proud American podcast, Share the Struggle. Let me tell you something. Everybody struggles. The difference is some people choose to go through it and some choose to grow through it. The choice is completely yours. Which one you choose will have a very profound effect on the way you live your life. The question is, do you have what it takes to bet on yourself? Anything worth doing is worth dominating. You need to be fired up about your story. Get jacked up about that rise and the fall and tell yourself it's the climb that's mine. Find satisfaction in small victories. Oh, what it is, what it is, what it do, what it do. How do you do? Oh, good morning, good afternoon, good night to you, whatever time it might be. I'm happy that that's another moment between you and me. Oh, I don't know what day you'd be listening, but this is scheduled to come out on a beautiful winning Wednesday in the month of January in the year of 2022. That was fucking lame sauce. But anyways, welcome to the first fucking episode of the Loud Proud American podcast known as Share the Struggle, the first episode of Share the Struggle for the year 2022. Damn. How do you do? Shit. Ha. Woo. I already swore. Pretty early in the episode, I already swore. But I'm excited because it's another freaking year, y'all. It's another year of you and me. Mm, damn. Shit. Do you guys realize we started this podcast in the middle of the craziness, pandemicness, nonsenseness? I made up some nissus words there. But we started the Share the Struggle podcast way back in 2020. Here we are, 2022, still, me and you, 78 consecutive weeks between us. That's beautiful, loud, proud Americans. Ooh, reunited and it feels so good. I don't know what all that was about there. I blame it on the cold meds. If I sound like shit, it's because I feel like shit, okay? But I'm a loud, proud American, so I don't quit. That's why... We're keeping the consecutive streak alive. That's right. It's Cal Ripken shit over here. We're keeping the streak alive. I can't let the loud, proud Americans down. So even though I feel like shit, here we are, baby. Too legit to quit. You know what I'm saying? And for all of you out there saying, oh, he feels like shit. Must have the roller, the vid, the whatever else you want to call it. No, that's not it. I just have a cold, America. People get those still. You know what I mean? I uh, just had this fucking congestion and this weakness happening. Just feeling super fucking run down. But uh, the past couple days, I've been pretty useless to the world. But we've taken all precautions and 
on all the checky checkies and uh, just normal sickness. Okay, nothing crazy, but I'm just feeling fucking run down, and I have uh, enough cold meds in me to put down an elephant. So if I ramble or I sound like shit, that'd be the reason. But I'm too dedicated to all y'all beautiful, loud, proud Americans that I can't miss a week. Are you kidding me? Hails to the no. So here we are. And I got a trick up my sleeve in the second half of the show to maybe possibly bring in a closer. You know what I mean? Somebody to come on and take us home. Like John Denver style. Country roads, take me home to the place I belong. West Virginia, mountain bomber, take me home. Country roads. I blame the intro of the show on the fine folks at Dayquil. <laughs> Idiot. Anyways, I'm back. Let's uh, try to rein it in and... Uh, Try not to ramble so freaking much. But Happy New Year, y'all. I hope everybody's doing damn good. I hope everybody's excited about a beautiful 2022. What is to come to you and me in 2022? Damn, I'm excited about it, okay? I'm looking forward to it. You guys can bank on the fact in the next week or so, two weeks, I don't know. We'll have another episode where we kind of get into some forecasting 2022, talk about structuring some goals, maybe share some successes, some failures, some fuck-ups. I don't know, but it's a time of year where we spend time doing that shit. Feeling a little under the weather, I'm a little behind on doing some of those things, so we're going to kind of push that out a little bit, but I'm also excited to uh, give you guys a little update on on my wifey and on a step she made in uh, relighting, rekindling, and reestablishing a very important relationship for her. So I'm excited to share those details with you today. Let's hope to uh, have a little special surprise for all y'all a little bit later on today. Something really nice. But I hope you guys had a good New Year's, man. I hope you had a good New Year's Eve and all that comes with it. It was a different New Year's for me this year, or New Year's Eve, I guess you would say, because for the first time in a long time, we went out. Yeah, we actually went out for New Year's. It's not uh, something I generally do. I usually consider New Year's Eve as amateur hour, so I try to stay home and just get uh, takeout Chinese food, watch a few movies, and then uh, watch the ball drop, and if I play my cards right, then the wife lets me let the ball drop. That was awful setup and delivery of that joke. Fuck. I should edit that out and retell it. Nah. Too much work. Anyways, it was different for us because this year, Bentley Saloon stayed open through the new year. They had their first New Year's Eve party. And um, Allie and I went to it. And the most important thing about that party was some extended family of ours, some great friends of ours that we've made through the years, from Syracuse, New York, took the trip north to be a part of the New Year's Eve party. Uh, That's what made it special. So we got to see our extended family from New York and spend some time with them. And that honestly was the highlight of the new year for me to end 2021 and ring in 2022 with some great friends that have become great family, some people that I look up to, that I love, that I admire, and that I share a great connection with. That just made it special, man. And it put uh, 2022 in a different perspective because I definitely felt blessed and I had a sense of just overall gratitude and just thankfulness, man. Just to think that 
I have these people in my life that have made such a major impact on me that came from a casual encounter at a bar, giving away a fucking motorcycle. Like, the fact that we met and started a relationship at Bentley Saloon so many years ago and just in passing at an event, you know? And it turns into some conversations, some handshakes, some friendships, and then it blossoms into some love and some affection and some appreciation. It just really shows me uh, what this life is capable of, man. The connections that you can make, the opportunities you can create just by being open and by being yourself and sharing yourself. And when you do that, you never really know what you're going to reward yourself with. And you guys have heard me say many a times the trouble that I have um, with not having a close-knit family anymore, not um, doing all those family traditions anymore because I always say that they died when my grandparents did and the closeness and connections that my family has, a lot of those went by the wayside when we lost my brother and some of those other things happened that so many families deal with. We can't pick our family, you know, but sometimes you don't realize you can extend your family and you can add people to your family and sometimes you can appreciate them even more. You know what I mean? Because they're not prescribed. They don't have a prescription that makes them say you're family. You're family because you want to be family, because you love and care about somebody. So that just means a lot to me, man. And I closed out the year and opened a new year feeling so fucking blessed for the relationships that I formed over the years. And it really just provided me inspiration going into the season and coming into this podcast because it just creates this overwhelming sense of being thankful and blessed. Thankful for all of you that you continue to turn on your radios or your phones or your Amazon Alexas or whatever the hell it is that you listen to me on. 78 weeks, man. You guys have tuned in, plugged in, dialed in to listen to me ramble, tell stories, share advice, just share the struggle. You know what I mean? No pun intended there, but share the struggle of life, the ups, the downs, the journeys. It means the absolute world to me that you guys find value in listening to me or you share views and and opinions with me. It just means everything. It really, truly does. I think I notice it even more this time of the year because I'm not on the road. I'm not interacting with a lot of people on a day-to-day basis. I'm working from home, so I'm not really having that social connection with everybody. So when I get that response from you or we share conversations or we do bump into each other somewhere and we have that story and they're like, oh, hey, man, episode 73, episode 77, episode 52, whatever, and you start sharing those moments, those memories, the insights, man, it means everything to me. And It's just something that really put a positive spin on 22 for me, man. It just has me excited about 2022 because I'm excited to continue to share my journey with all of you. And I look forward to hearing from all of you. And I know I'm rambling on right now, but I really just want you guys to understand how much it means to me that you continue to listen to the show, that you continue to do your part to help grow the show, to leave a review, to hit subscribe, to try to grow the tribe, to spread the vibe, to let people know they need to listen to the show. I can't thank you enough, man. Uh, New Year's Eve, we shared some conversations about the podcast. Right or wrong, having the podcast for so many weeks, I have the confidence to enter into conversations I probably shouldn't, or I feel obligated to drop advice that I probably shouldn't, but I just feel like it's necessary because 
if I can see something, if I can feel something, why not share something? So I witnessed some interactions uh, with a friend of mine and I pulled him aside and said, hey man, why don't you do this? You know, uh, I see this for you. Take a chance on this for you. And I believe it for you. That type of scenario, and I'm being super vague right now because I'm not trying to air out uh, the conversation or anybody's business, uh, you know, on the podcast here. It's not what I'm trying to do. But what I'm saying is I've got confidence from the podcast that's given me the confidence to pull somebody aside and be like, dude, I see this for you, man. I believe in you. This could work for you. Go ahead. Take a leap. Make it happen. And then sharing my own experience like, hey, you know, this is how I met my wife. This is how it went for us. And this is where we're at now. And sometimes just because you don't feel like you're ready, that doesn't mean that you're not ready. You know what I mean? Like you can't pick the time. You can't pick the date, the place, the person. Sometimes it just happens. But if you don't take a chance, then it'll never happen. So take a chance. And I know that's the most random advice you guys could ever hear coming through your radio right now. You're like, what, what is he even talking about? The point I'm trying to make here is cold medicine's bad, people, and it makes you ramble. No, I'm kidding. Well, it does. But what I'm saying is the podcast gives me the confidence to enter in conversations to provide or offer insight and advice to other people, more importantly, people I care about. And I wouldn't have that same level of confidence to have those conversations, to share that advice, to put myself out there if it wasn't for all of you. All of you continuing to listen to the show every week, continuing to provide your insight every week. And because it happened on New Year's Eve and we're rolling into New Year's and a whole new year, it just has me feeling rather thankful for the confidence that I have gained from this show, the knowledge, the belief that I've gained from all of you. I appreciate you and I thank you. And I look forward to continuing to share these things, these moments, these memories in 2022. Gotcha! As if 2021 didn't want to let us just end the whole thing with a bunch of fun, they had to kick us in the nuts and take away a few great ones. So, as everybody knows, we lost Betty White, and we lost a legend, a mentor, an inspiration to me, Coach John Madden. Like so many other Americans, Coach Madden meant so much to me, and he was such a part of my childhood and my upbringing that it's crazy. I know early on in the podcast when I was kind of laying out some roots for you guys and getting you to kind of understand a little bit about me, uh, like in the beginning stages of the podcast, we talked about my sports upbringing and um, when I started to enjoy football and and, uh, learn football and watch football and I became a Cowboys fan and all those things. It really goes back to Coach Madden. It goes back to John Madden because he made watching football fun. He made it funny. He made it understandable. He took the time to break things down for you, but to break them down for you in a way that you understood and that you found 
hilarious. Like Madden's mastery of a teleprompter was the greatest thing where he would be circling things and drawing lines and crisscrossing things and you're making your TV go crazy. But it really opened your eyes to uh, a whole nother layer of football and what was happening, but he made it entertaining. And he did these little things that became tradition, like a fucking turducken, like a turkey, duck, chicken, Thanksgiving dish, like all these crazy things. It's all these little maddenisms, these things that that coach used to say and do. But what's funny is I didn't realize the impact that Coach Madden was having on my life until now. And I'm going to kind of dig into this a little bit here real quick for you to give you a little uh, understanding of what I'm talking about. But as a kid, I listened to Madden every single weekend. I'm sure I'm not alone in that. A lot of you probably did the exact same thing. I was super excited when I heard that Fox put together a special on John Madden and John Madden's life that was coming out on Christmas Day. I was super excited about it. I missed the special, but I knew I would catch it down the road and watch it just in the Christmas hoopla. I missed it, but I was excited that it came out. And then when I found out that John passed away, I was like, you got to be kidding me. They just made a special about his life. Then I started thinking, well, maybe he was sick and that's why they made the special, but He wasn't. He just made the special on his life, and he wasn't sick at all because you're seeing these interviews with people after his death talking about scheduling lunch with him next week and all these different things. So it was rather ironic that they had the special about John Madden and his life before he passed away, and then so quickly after the release of the show, he does pass away, and then you get to watch the show of his life. Super, super powerful. I encourage any of you listening right now, if you're a sports fan, a Madden fan, it's a must-watch, need-to-watch. It'll just bring you right back. And for me, I started watching it, and I found myself getting super emotional right out of the gate. And part of it is that, to set the scene for you, basically, Coach Madden's like on a, a like a lazy boy or something in the middle of this room with these big-ass screen TVs, and he's watching all the footage that they have recorded or are playing in the special he's watching it and they're basically filming his reaction and asking him questions and he's seeing these unbelievable comments and tributes from from former players and legends and he's hearing them firsthand and you're seeing his reaction super touching super well done knowing the man's gone when you're watching that you know actual special really is a tearjerker in my opinion uh, at the end of it his son's you know, just paying tribute and saying what they needed to say. I'm not going to steal the thunder because I think you should watch watch the special, but super moving, super moving special. But a few things that I realized while watching it that have influenced my life that I didn't realize. Number one, I became a Raiders fan as a kid because I liked the mystique of the Raiders. I liked the intensity of the Raiders and also their uniforms were super cool. But there was like this heritage, tradition, and just all-out relentless approach to the game. And when I was a kid and I was drawn to that, I realized a lot of that came from Coach Madden because John Madden was a coach of the Raiders for 10 years, and he was the youngest NFL head coach at the time, and he still has the best winning percentage of any coach uh, with 10 years of coaching experience. So... 
Coach Madden was done being a Raiders coach before I was a football fan, but I found myself going back and watching Raiders stuff and learning Raiders stuff because of Coach Madden, and they became a team of mine. Now, they're actually like my number two team. They're my backup team, which I know that sounds crazy, but it is what it is. My number one team is the Cowboys. And for my entire life, I've always said Emmitt Smith made me a Cowboys fan. He was my favorite player. He was my role model, my inspiration. I loved watching Emmitt Smith every weekend. And as I was watching John Madden's special, I realized maybe John Madden made me a Cowboys fan. Because Coach Madden announced 141 Dallas Cowboys games. And all of those, really, in the prime of my ute. Like my core fucking NFL craziness, okay? My most impressionable years. Madden called just about every Cowboys game. And you could tell he was a Cowboys fan. He had a love for so many of the players, and those players became my favorite players. So as I'm watching this special, I'm thinking, maybe Coach Madden was a big inspiration in me becoming a Cowboys fan because he made all of those games so much fun. And the Dallas Cowboys were his number one announced game. He announced their games more than any other team in the NFL. So I think that's a big part of it. Also, Coach Madden, he made NFL linemen and defensive tackles cool. He made them popular. He spent so much time talking about the big nasties and how important they were and how smart they were and all the things they did. From him circling sweat rings on big guys' asses to highlighting how much steam comes off your head and you're taking your helmet off. All these things, all these analogies about linemen, he made them fun. He made them interesting. He made them exciting. And he helped to make it cool for me to become a lineman. He made it fun for me to model myself after guys like Nate Newton, Larry Allen, Eric Williams, to watch all these guys and to learn all their techniques to watch Leon Lett, a defensive tackle, all these things that Madden spent time circling on his teleprompter, talking about the nastiness, talking about the toughness, the ability, the will, the desire, the fight, all those things that he showed, that he highlighted, that he explained, it made it fun. It made it exciting for me. So I spent seven or eight years of my life trying to be one of those guys, one of those Madden guys. As I'm watching the special... And I see how animated he is, like all the commercials he used to do with Miller Lite and boom, tough acting, ten acting, all these things. I see how animated he is and I'm saying to myself, man, that's a lot of my personality because Coach Madden was really reminding me of Chris Farley. And I know that I've modeled so much in my life and my humor, my comedy, my personality after Chris Farley, but I feel like when you watch John Madden, There's a lot of Chris Farley in there. Some of those commercials, some of the things he said and did and the way he acted, I can hear it, I can feel it. There's these Farley tangibles to it, and that's a big part of me and my personality. So as I'm watching the special, I'm thinking, shit, I might have got a lot of the way I talk and act and move from Coach Madden. And a few minutes ago, I hit you with the old boom, tough acting to acting commercial, And any of you that have text messages with me, instant messenger with me, or have phone calls with me, I use boom all the fucking time. I abuse the word boom. And it had been so long since I heard Madden. I mean, let's think about it. Coach Madden stopped calling games. I think it was 2009. So 
So it's been fucking 12 years since I heard Coach Madden call an NFL game. But I've been saying boom every damn day of my life ever since. So when I'm watching the special and I hear him say boom, and comes around here, tackle comes around here, they meet in the middle, boom. That's a boom. People like to say he hits him here, he blocks him here. Not me. That's a boom. I say boom. And as he's saying that, I start thinking about it. I even looked over at Allie and I said, shit, I think that's probably where I get it. I say boom all the damn time. And as he was explaining that, I was like, oh my God. My childhood, I heard boom a thousand times every fucking Sunday for 10 years of my life or whatever it was. That's where it is. That's where it came from. Madden hitting me with the boom. And then you go into the Madden video game and how successful that is. And I'll be honest, I love Madden football, but I had to stop playing it because it just ruins my life. I spent too much time uh, trying to fucking draft teams, build rosters, and do full seasons and all this crazy shit. But when I was a kid and I had Nintendo 64, my favorite game was Madden football. And I'm sure it would still be my favorite game if I didn't give up on video games. But... Super inspiring, unbelievable, just life that Coach Madden has lived. I really highly encourage you guys to uh, watch the special, to uh, just absorb it and take it in and just realize how much he meant to this country, to so many people in this country. But one of the things that I'm going to steal from it real quick is uh, Peter King. Peter King has been a writer for Sports Illustrated for a long time. And, uh, you know, it depends on his mood and whether I like his stuff or I don't. But... He shared a piece in an article he wrote about John Madden because he actually jumped on the Madden cruiser and traveled, I don't know what it was, like 3,000 miles around country with, with Coach Madden to go from one game to another, just living with him and, and kind of just getting to know the man and to witness the man. And he wrote a story about it. And I just want to share the opener to that story with you guys to put it in perspective how powerful John was. But even that, even the Madden cruiser, you think about it, When he coached the NFL and he was flying back and forth, he hated flying. So when he started announcing, he ended up fucking buying a bus or having the network buy him a bus. And he traveled all around the country from game to game called the Madden Cruiser. He lived on the bus and he just witnessed everything and experienced everything. And you just think about how awesome that is. But I think that Peter King does an amazing job describing that. So I just want to read this article here, the beginning to this article from Sports Illustrated, Peter King on his journey with John Madden. John Madden, 54, has a job most of us would love to have. He sleeps as late as he wants and wears whatever clothes he wants almost every day of his life. He eats what he wants, when he wants. He has to be somewhere with a tie on for only three hours a week. He makes much more than a million dollars a year to do this job. He crisscrosses the U.S. six months a year and the greatest bus you've ever seen. It is a hotel suite on wheels. Madden, the CBS TV color analyst, who along with Pat Summerall forms the preeminent NFL broadcast team, is a big friendly, surprisingly tranquil lug of a guy who sees his country as few other Americans do from the ground floor. People used to say to me, it must be great coaching and traveling and seeing all those things you do, says Madden, who piloted the Oakland Raiders for 10 years from 1969 to 1978 and to a Super Bowl championship. Well, I'd get on a plane and then I'd get off the plane, get on a bus and go to the hotel then the stadium, then the airplane again. I thought I had traveled all over, but I hadn't seen anything. 
You've got to be on the ground to see things. Madden is not talking about sightseeing. He's talking about being a witness to America. The land, the people, the lifestyles, the thoughts, and the emotions that make up a society. Man, so damn cool. John Madden, an inspiration, a role model for so many, for so many loud, proud Americans. Coach Madden, you had an impact on people far greater than myself. But when I take a minute to settle down and to think about all you meant to me, it's beyond surprising to me because you've said and done so many things that have molded me, that has impacted me. If I didn't spend every weekend of my childhood listening to you, I might not even be me. Good check. Hey, y'all. I did it. I got the cojones. Cojones. What is it that you did, dear? I made the plunge. I went to visit my 90-year-old great-grandma. 90. She's actually a bit older than that. And we'll get into that in a minute. But everybody wanted to know how things went after you got the Christmas letter on Christmas Eve, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And... We took a leap. You took a major leap of faith. You uh, did something big and bold and beautiful this weekend. Explain to everybody what you did. Well, first off, we had to put together a very beautiful Christmas present because, well, she deserves it. So we put together a very beautiful Christmas present that included a nice cozy blanket, some slippers. Uh, What else did we put in there? Oh, the teddy bear Mm -hmm. and a box of cookies. Because what else does a 90-year-old grandma want? And those things are all grandma approved, I think. I agree. So She loved every one of them. Mm -hmm. But about that, we took the plunge. We drove to her house. Oh, not a single thing has changed. The house looks the same. There's a few decorations missing, but... Just the overwhelming anxiety getting there, that set me back a little bit. I know you've been pushing for it ever since you got the letter. Uh You were saying, we're going to see my Nana. We're going to go see my Nana. What day are we going to see my Nana? You've been all about it. Uh And you had a few days off for the holiday, and that was the number one thing on the list for the holiday. But on Sunday, we hadn't crossed that off the list yet. And we were doing our barn chores, and he said, what are we going to do? And I said, I think we should go see your Nana now. Because otherwise, we're just going to push it off all day, right? Because yep. I know the anxiety is going to just keep building from that point. So Sunday was the day. And as excited as you've been about going, as soon as we said, all right, we're doing it, you shit your pants. I mean, I didn't really shit my pants. I wanted to, and I wanted to shit throw That is correct. I think just the overwhelming fear of what was to come. Like, I haven't seen this woman in 15, 20 years. Um, Knowing that she's 90, like, am I going to walk in and she's 
got machines attached to her. Like, just the unknown was what put me over the edge with my anxiety. Hey, I was over the edge, and I'm not even you. Yeah, imagine being in my shoes. I was was anxious for you. Just the fear of the unknown. You know, how does she look? What condition is she in? Does she have... Uh, like a caretaker? Is there somebody there to help her with things? Is she on her own? You know, like she did say just show up and that's basically what we're doing, completely unannounced. Yeah, I did not call her. I did not let her know I was coming. I just, in the letter she said, show up anytime after nine. I'm getting old and lazy. (laughs) And I get up around nine, she said. Hey, fair enough. But just the fear of not knowing what the heck you're going to get into or is there going to be other family members there that you don't necessarily get along with or, you know, what's that reception going to be? I've never been there at all. So, uh, obviously. Um, so you were driving and just going through that experience of what it was like for you as a child. Like you had mentioned to me, that's basically the same, you know, path you took to go there when you were a kid, and that's kind of how you remembered. Yeah, so we took the exact route that I used to take with my grandma um, to get to her house because I'm sure there's other ways to get there, but it wasn't the same. Like, I needed to get there um, almost just like paving the road that that Graham and I used to go, almost for her to give me the strength. Um, and I felt it was important to bring Graham along with me. So I brought, wore my necklace. I don't know if you noticed and had my coordinates for the house that I grew up in. Um, so I brought Graham along with me to make sure that, you know, I had her spiritual guidance. Reiki taught me that. Mm -hmm. Um, and as we were getting there, I could feel myself, you know, starting to get a little shaky, um, a little bit uneasy. Um, so I felt it was important for me to kind of just start talking about, um, Nana's house and memories that I shared almost to just like get me out of my head and talk about the good things and, um, kind of just change my mind and overcome my anxiety. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Now for the people that are listening or don't understand the connection real quick, um, we've already talked a thousand times about it, but just so they know the relationship, um, we're going to see your Nana who, um, basically, you have a biological mother that we don't necessarily talk uh, about. Yeah, we don't talk about much on the show. We don't consider her as your mother because she didn't really raise you. We're talking about your grandmother who used to raise you or yep. raised you, and that's who you considered your mother. This is her mom. Her mom. So technically, it's your great grandmother, but essentially, it's grandmother in the way that you look at things. Yes. So we're going to see a great grandmother, but. The interesting thing is this is the biggest reminder and the closest thing to your mom, a.k.a. Yes. your grandmom, that you've you know, seen or talked to in 15 years. Correct. So there's a lot going into just all the emotions of having to say goodbye to who you considered your mother and then now you're going to see her mother and everything comes crashing in at that moment. So I can only imagine how you were feeling and how the anxiety was building up to it. But I want you to tell everybody what it was like when you walked in the door. Um, well, when I walked in the door, um, I kind of... So here's the picture. Um, you walk through her garage, which goes into like a foyer, like mudroom. Great room scenario, yeah. And then you walk right into this 
great room, which we have so many memories of Christmases and Thanksgivings and stuff. So when I walked through those, I basically took a deep breath in and just kind of just just let it out. So just letting out that anxiety and I'm looking around, taking everything in, just seeing like the memories just flash through my through my head like um the the kids table over over on this side when we had Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the um chairs lined up around the big long table with the benches and just running through those things but at the same time like my mind is running a mile a minute and I didn't skip a beat. I just kept walking and just taking everything in. And I went right up to the main door, Mm -hmm. which I could – there's a glass door so you can see through into the kitchen and into the living room. Um, And I saw her just sitting there, um, an emotion, like sad emotion came over me, but an excited emotion came over me. Like so many emotions hit me at that moment when I saw her through the glass door. Um, She was sitting there with a blanket just wrapped over her, not a TV on. She's just staring out the window. Um, But so many emotions just just rushed over me at that moment. Um, And I knocked on the door and she, her eyes got pretty bright and, uh, and she waved me in and we walked right in. I was super surprised when we walked in to see how independent she is and like just I don't even know how to explain it, but just how good she looks. You know? Yeah. Like, listen, you've been telling me she's ninety eight since we met. <laughs> so I don't know. You just you know, she's this old. Yeah. So I don't know what we're walking into and I mean, I don't know. I know many of folks in their seventies and eighties that are much more dependent on assistance than she is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, she does not look to be in her 90s at all. I would say early 80s at most, you know? Yeah. But very independent. She, she told us she still drives at least once a month because she does her grocery shopping and gets her medicine and does doctor's appointments and things like that. She looks And she fantastic. probably lives about 10, 15 minutes from the local Hannaford and her um, doctor's office. Right. And she drives about 15 minutes from her home there. When Very we were having conversations with her, I was super blown away by just how sharp she is. Like her memory is completely sharp. She remembers so many people's names. Birthdays. Yeah. Right. She knew a bunch of birthdays. Like just how quick her responses were to things was really impressive. You know, like so that was that was crazy because she is how old? 99 years old. Yeah. She's going to be 100 on March 28th of 22. Unbelievable. She looks fantastic. I can't believe that uh, she's 99 years old. And she gave us some advice. What's her secret to uh, living to be 99? I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I don't tell dirty jokes. I want to put that on her 100th birthday cake. Yeah, that's, I think it would be hilarious. That's pretty great. and Because uh, everybody has to ask her, what's your secret? Yeah. I guarantee it. I already failed on two of those, so that's not good. I failed on the other one, so we're three yeah. out of three. Not good. Not good. So on last week's episode, we really spent um, quite a bit of time talking about that surprise, the true meaning of Christmas, you writing the Christmas card, sending it to her, reaching out, getting the letter on Christmas Eve. Could you guys talk a little bit about the letter? Could you kind of let everybody in on, on that part of the scenario? Yeah, we touched on the letter. Um, you know, I thanked her for 
um, sending the letter because um, she apologized for not getting me anything for Christmas. And I said to her that that was receiving that letter was probably one of the best Christmas presents. Um, it didn't matter what else came after after that. But she took the time to explain the letter and what she put in there, along with certain situations um, that kind of led to our departure, yeah. I guess you could say. I think she was pretty adamant, too, on making sure you understood it, apologizing for it, but saying, like, I really hope you understood why I did it or the reasons for it. And she would point out yeah. instances or stories to kind of help seal that fate, which I thought was nice. So she really wanted to make sure that you fully understood and that it wasn't your fault. Yeah, um, exactly. She took the time, again, to just break down certain situations, gave me examples, um, but a lot of it was that she wanted me to know that I was too young. It wasn't my fault. Um, you know, there was nothing I could do at that time. Um, but there were definitely some times that she got super emotional, which I knew um, in my heart that she was genuine about it. It wasn't, right. you know, um, she wasn't just shooting pixie dust up my ass. Like she yeah. was genuine about it there was a few times that i caught myself staring out the window because if i was like if i look at her dead in her eyes i'm going to ugly cry right here it's um it's funny because i feel like from where i was seated is that not even a word seated <laughs> where i was sitting i was off at an angle a i needed a chair big enough that i wouldn't destroy a chair that's not the Impression I want to make the first time I meet your Nana as I crush one of this <laughs> family heirloom rocking chairs or something. So I'm kind of off to the side, and you guys are having a conversation. So I'm kind of getting like a side view, but it felt like the emotion levels kept creeping up to a point of like a breakdown, and then it would kind of go away. So I was just on the sidelines, being like, "Oh man, how far is this going to go?" And there was um, some deep conversations that that happened. There was some enlightening conversations that happened. Um, you know, I think some things that you would not have known or understood, you know, when you're 17, you know, and Correct. now you're getting other layers to things that happened or you went through that you'd never knew about. And that's pretty yeah. alarming. Yeah. Um, I mean, she, she dug into, um, quite a bit of stories that basically gave me some light on, um, my mother who passed away, um, at 17, um, some clarification, you know, about the day that she died, um, that sort of thing. And it kind of gave me uh, a peace of mind. Um, I had some of the information, but not all the information. Right. So that was really enlightening. Um, it gave me some heartbreaking information at the same time. Um, some sad news. Um, and, you know, I just got the opportunity to chat with her about some real and raw things. Yeah. Um, but I think it was like, a necessary conversation that needed to happen. And I think really like we both got a lot off of our chest. Not that we had anything to like air out. Right. But I think, I mean, it's been 15, 20 years since her and I chatted. I mean, she doesn't look a day different than when I right. saw her that long ago. But, you know, we missed out on a lot of time together, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, from being somebody that obviously wasn't around for any of this, and I'm just kind of, uh, you know, a moral support bystander witness, so to speak. When we got in the car and I was talking to you on the way home, I was like, man, it was pretty eye-opening to hear some of the things that I knew you didn't know. 
You know what I mean? Like just different insights that it was like, you know, there's some stuff that maybe they weren't going to share with you when you were 17 because they, um, you know, just wanted to shelter you from it. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, like even your grandmother, the one you consider your mother, just trying to say, these are adult things and I just want you to live your life and be a kid and not have to worry about things and just kind of shelter you from stuff. But there's things that, you know, I think it was good that you actually got to hear them and, and kind of know a little bit. Maybe it answers a few things for you. Yeah. So I thought that that in itself was worth the actual meeting too, you know? So yeah, absolutely. Um, pretty powerful just from being on the sidelines, not even being involved in it like you were. So I can only imagine the just mixture of feelings you had going through you, through you that whole day. It was crazy. After we left, I was living this ultimate high. Like I just felt like overall I had accomplished a huge milestone. Um, I had mended a a broken relationship. And unfortunately, it didn't need to be broken. It, it wasn't broken on, on my account, but I felt like I needed to be the bigger person and I needed to mend that relationship, especially now knowing that the woman is going to be a hundred years old. I mean, what's the likelihood that she's going to be around for, for much longer. I don't want to have any sort of regret. Right. That you didn't do something. Correct. I think it was a great experience. Uh, I know she, she, she shared a wish with you before we left. (laughs) Yeah. Her hundredth wish um, is to get her family together one more time um, in her big great room, just like we used to do as kids. And as she's telling me this, I am sitting there and my gears are turning. Like her birthday is March 28th. It's right around the corner. Like I'm like, who can I gather together? Who can come? Who's going to do this? And who's going to do that? How are we going to get her out of her house to decorate? Like I am running through all these different things. Like we need a birthday cake and we need food and we need this. Like this woman will have a hundredth surprise birthday party. And I don't care if it's my last dying wish. I will make sure it happens. Took that to the extreme. Go big or go home. Yeah. I hear you. So she deserves it. She definitely does. So when we started to record this episode or before we did, you agreed you would come on the show to record a little update on the weekend. And you said, as long as um, I didn't make you cry. That's right. Right. That was a key ingredient and mm-hmm. in coming on. Um, but what you didn't say is if somebody else would make you cry. And ironically, I got the mail today. Come on. And it looks like you have um, a Christmas card of some sorts here. From who? I don't know. Maybe you should look at it. Oh, my God. What? This woman is a ninja. I'm telling you what. Hopefully in that card it doesn't say something about never bring your big-ass husband back here. Well, y'all, I have a card here from my 99 year old Nana Peg let's see what this has to say real and raw you don't have to read it over the over the uh, radio here I was just uh, letting you know that you that you got one well y'all I got this beautiful Merry Christmas and Happy New Year card and on the back she wrote a sweet little message that says thought you were coming to visit so I could meet Keith (laughs) (laughs) 
So Must two have found things. this around Christmas. I'm hoping she didn't forget she met us. It's stamped for the 30th. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, so she actually mailed it a couple days before we showed up. Yeah. So kind of kind of funny. But I thought it was ironic because you said you would come on tonight and have a conversation about actually going to meet you in. And then I was like, oh, my God, we got a freaking Christmas card in the mail from us. It's very nice. Very yeah. sweet. Very sweet. So I'm proud of you for taking the leap of faith, putting yourself out there, putting your feelings out there. And then putting your anxiety aside and, and showing up and doing what you promised to do and having a conversation and having having a real adult conversation. And we talk about it all the time on the podcast about stepping out of your comfort zone, having real conversations, and those are the most rewarding. And I think just rebuilding, reestablishing that friendship, that relationship, that family connection, I think that's super important for both of you and I'm proud of you for doing all the prickly things it took to get to the point you're at. Thank you. I appreciate that. It was not easy. So if you're thinking about sending that text message, writing that letter, reaching out to that old friend, mending that relationship, I encourage you to take the plunge. You never know what's going to happen. Trust me. I didn't think I was going to receive our entire wedding invitation back the day that I sent it. I also anticipated receiving my entire Christmas card back. But you know what? This time, it didn't happen. Right. And I'm thankful that I took the plunge. Perfect. I love it. I think that's a positive message to end a positive show on right there. What do you think? You send this sucker home? Knock it out of the park. Thank you for supporting my American dream. Now go wash your fucking hands, you filthy savage. That's it and that's all, Biggie Smalls. If you're a loud, proud American and you find yourself just wanting more, find me on YouTube and Facebook at Loud Proud American or the Face Page, as my mama calls it. If you're a fan of the Graham Cracker, you want to find me on Instagram or all the kids are tickety-talking on the TikTok. You can find me on both of those at loud underscore proud underscore American. Big old thank you to the boys from the Gut Truckers for the background beats and the theme song for this year's podcast. If you are enjoying what you're hearing, you can track down the Gut Truckers on Facebook. Just search Gut Truckers. Give them motherfuckers a like too. Thank you for supporting my American dream. Now go wash your fucking hands, you filthy savage.